Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. We're excited to feature this classic edition of the program from sessions at the Mole End Studio in Franklin, Tennessee. What you'll hear now was recorded several years ago. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the music and conversations are timeless. Our web and email address hasn't changed, but now you can connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. We hope to hear your reactions to this classic edition of In the Studio. is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard, and Michael, we're so grateful for radio stations and our podcast. We have a number of people who respond to our podcast. Yeah, it's uh, any means that you can listen to the program, we're happy for you yeah. to use. Speaking of radio stations, KVIP in California, Redding, California, and then throughout that whole area, a long list of translators hmm. off KVIP. So thanks, folks, for carrying in the studio. All the way out there in California. <laughs> How about that? That's a long way. <laughs> you get out there once in a while. I do. I do. It's a long drive. I can tell you that. Michael, coming up on the program today, Dr. George Guthrie is going to mm-hmm. begin a study of Second Corinthians with us. I'm excited about that. I am too. George is a brilliant uh, biblical scholar, but a person who also lives out what he teaches. Just got back from China uh, mm-hmm. teaching uh, he's a great brother. Yeah. And then waiting in the wings for the second half of our program today, our friend Wes King. Now, we have prayed for Wes. We've yep. been so concerned for Wes. We'll get an update on how uh, God has really moved in his life. He's He's been healed of cancer. He really has. And yeah. that's a remarkable story. We'll hear it from Wes, and he'll sing and play for us in the second half of the program today. Speaking of singing, Michael, are you ready? Uh, I guess. All right. Yeah. We're going to ask you to get us started here. This song is called By Your Name. I failed again to make the mark I've lost my way once more I tried to do it by myself Like so many times before But now again I turn to you I'm hungry and confused By now my strength's dissolved away And I feel like I've been Protect me by your name. 
Thank you, Michael. As we mentioned, Dr. George Guthrie is in the studio with us today. Yeah. In the house, is that what you say, Mike? Uh, you could say that if you wanted to. Uh, but we, we were just talking in sort of preparation for this conversation, and and uh, I don't know, I was taken all over again with uh, what a great joy it is to, to sit with someone who has uh, spent so much time hmm. with a particular book and, and soaked up... Uh, um, I mean, all all that it has to say, or not all that it has to say, what it has to say to you. And we are the beneficiaries so, of that. Yeah, yeah. and so I'm, I really am excited uh, that you're here, George. Well, when it comes God to... bless you. Well, thanks. It's great to be back uh, with you guys. When it comes to Second Corinthians, I'm very much in the process of learning, and mm-hmm. I, I say that very sincerely. I'm working my way through it and writing a commentary and, and when's it just due? going uh, point by point. It's still going to be uh, two or three more years before I... Wow! Let go of this one. So we're we're okay. going to be uh, all right. Somebody somebody <laughs> we're going to be working on this a, a while. Time out. How can you spend your life doing that? I mean, how can it be that complicated? That it takes that long to do it. Well, <laughs> well, I actually have a full time job slash ministry at Union University. So I I teach and I have a family and involved in my church. And then we try to try to fit the writing in there in between somewhere. But so. if you if you saw his bibliography on Second Corinthians with all the art journal articles and all the books, you, you would understand why it takes three or four years. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. language is wonderfully complex. Mm-hmm. So when you start digging down into this stuff, there's so much there. It's just a treasure trove. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, we are here to uh, to get a download from you. We we want you to tell us what you can here. Not only this time in the studio, but over several visits actually yeah. coming up here. So we'll, I know we'll just get barely started today right. uh, with the with the background in Second Corinthians. So, uh, Michael, should we ask him just to yeah, dig in? Help us with a sort of an uh, an introduction, a background, uh, so that everyone out there will get excited about starting to read through the book themselves. Sure. Yeah. Well, Corinth of the first century was an amazing city. It actually had been destroyed by the Romans in the second century B.C. Uh, there was a guy named Mummius who was the, the main Roman who came in, and mm-hmm. this was when Rome was on its rise, uh, becoming a world power. And they came in and they destroyed the city of Corinth, which was kind of a center city for Greece at that time. Mm-hmm. They killed most of the men. They, they sold the women and the children into slavery. And uh, the city was a ruins for the next 100 years, Hmm. approximately. Now, recent research is suggesting that they actually did have some people living there, but that's kind of dark and murky, Mm -hmm. uh, what's going on. Uh, In 44 B.C., Julius Caesar, shortly before he was assassinated, reconstituted the city and founded it as uh, a Roman uh, city that was populated with soldiers, probably freed slaves, and other types of folks from around the Mediterranean world. And the reason why Julius Caesar did that at that point was because it had so much promise because mm-hmm. of its geographical location mm-hmm. as a commercial center, trade center, a trade center. Mm-hmm. It was very, uh, very much a, a place that had a lot of promise, and that promise turned out to be True. Is that when, wasn't there sort of an, a rail system that was built over the isthmus to take stuff? Is that when that was built? Or? Yeah. Well, let, let's go back just a little bit more <laughs> okay. to, to what, what was going on in, in ancient times there. Where Corinth is located to the, um, to the east, you had one port city, mm-hmm. Sincrea, which was about six miles from 
Corinth. And then you had another port city that was somewhat to the north uh, that was about a mile and a half. So you had these two ports. It was right on the isthmus connecting the mainland to um, this lower part of Greece. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a major trade route from north to south, but it was also on a major trade route as ships would come in there and they would transfer the goods over and then they could be carried more directly to Rome without going around the southern part of Greece. So Romans were pretty astute about this. That's stuff, right. So, yeah. so that's kind of the setup of, of what was going on with this city. By the time you get down to Paul's time, it is a city that is phenomenally wealthy. Now you're talking about what, 80 years later maybe? Uh, Paul's well, time is what? If you're talking about when Paul wrote uh, First and Second Corinthians, we're talking about the mid-50s. Okay, all right. So uh, First Corinthians was probably written somewhere around 54, 55. About a year later, Second Corinthians was written. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you get down to this uh, time, you have a city that is uh, what we would think of today as a very progressive city, a mm. uh, very wealthy city. For instance... The sanitation systems that were set up in the city at that time were so advanced that some scholars say that Europe would not get to that level of kind of sanitary advancement until the 19th century. Wow. So you had uh, advanced, they had a generous water supply that came into the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, a very, very wealthy city. Just, just as a setup, let me, let me tell you some of the things that were common in Corinth at that time. Um, they were sports crazy. Yeah, Ismian Games. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Bill used to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, they were a city in which image was everything. You had mm. patrons who would uh, be your avenue to power, and so they would support you in your rise up the social ladder. Okay, I just want to make it clear. We're talking about Corinth, not talking about modern-day America now. We'll mm. get to that later, no doubt, mm. right? That's right. <laughs> okay. So you had a lot of social climbers. You had people who were all about power and position in the uh, in the culture at that time. About one third of the city was uh, made up of slaves, hmm. and you had this great dichotomy hmm. between the the tremendously rich and the very poor. Hmm. So you had a lot of dynamics in the city at that time that really remind us a lot of mm-hmm. of our cultural situation today in the West. Hmm. Uh, one of the one of the dynamics you had on the rise in the culture at that time, according to some scholars, is what was called the uh, Second Sophist Movement. You had these uh, public speakers mm-hmm. uh, who were all about image. Mm-hmm. They were about being very powerful in your speaking and your your public situation. That that was how you got ahead was. You learned how to be a great public speaker. It didn't matter if your content was that great, <laughs> as long as you could really win an argument in public and mm, really what does advance that remind things. you about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so you see how that very much may be the backdrop of yeah. what Paul is dealing with in part mm-hmm. in Second Corinthians. Okay. Because he is being accused of being someone who is not very fast on his feet, not a good public speaker. Not a power not, guy. Not a power guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he probably was not accepting the patronage of the right people. Hmm. And so he's not seen as progressive enough to hmm. really be the, the main spiritual leader of this community, according to some of the people there. Wow. So he has to write to defend him his ministry or? Yeah, well... 
In terms of the backdrop of, of Second Corinthians, let's go back just just a bit. Is this sure? No, this is great. This, this yeah. is okay. Yeah. We're, okay, we're, we're soaking All right. this if up. If you remember, there was a letter prior to First Corinthians mm-hmm. that that had come to Corinth. Paul tells about that in First Corinthians five nine and following. Yeah. We don't, we don't have it, but he letter. refers to it. That's right. Then Second Corinthians is the second letter we know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so First Corinthians is the second letter we know of, and evidently. Uh, there were those in the in the congregation in Corinth who did not respond very well to that letter. There seems there was a, a very negative reaction. They they didn't like the implications of what Paul was saying. Was that the severe letter? Is that the no nope, no? Nope. We're uh, I think here we're talking about First Corinthians okay. and their response to that. The, the reason we know their response is because Paul does have to make an emergency visit, hmm. which is his painful visit that he talks about okay. in 2 Corinthians. Okay. And hmm. he writes what is often referred to as a severe letter or a tearful letter, which mm-hmm. he refers to in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we, we know that... And we, um, don't have, we don't have that one. We don't, have, we don't okay. have that one. Some believe that what had happened was Paul... Uh, after the writing of of First Corinthians was publicly attacked by someone in the church, wow. and that people in the church didn't step up and and tell that person to sit down, and mm. so that's the crisis. And so then Paul comes in with this emergency visit, comes in with uh, and writes this this tearful, painful letter from Ephesus, and evidently Titus took that over to the Corinthians. Mm-hmm. And so what is happening as Paul is is just prior to writing Second Corinthians, he's in this state where he's wrapping up what we think of his of his his third missionary journey. He's been tremendously bruised in ministry for a number of reasons because he's having these struggles with churches like Corinth, but also evidently he was under very severe persecution at at this point mm. in time. And he says at the beginning of Second Corinthians that he thought he was going to die. Wow. So very serious kind of moment in his ministry. And as he is traveling over to Corinth, he's met by Titus. And Titus says, wow, they really accepted and received your letter very, very well. Oh. So what he's doing as he writes Second Corinthians is a, a combination of things. He is writing to encourage them and, and say, way to go, guys. I'm, I'm thankful mm. that you responded well. He's also writing with the understanding that some other leaders have come to town who seem to have some very bad patterns, and he's going to have to deal with those, which he does in the latter part of 2 Corinthians. Yeah, so it's not, it's not all been dealt with, it's but it's better than it was. It's not all been dealt with, but it's better than it was. Okay. And so he's writing words of encouragement to them. And so mm-hmm. as, as we open 2 Corinthians, we really encounter a Paul who is bruised, who is deeply... Um, wounded spiritually mm-hmm. in some ways but but out of that brokenness you have this amazing fragrance well, that's one I, of authenticity <laughs> i want to ask you about that because um, it'd be understandable to us if he just kind of wrote them off right wouldn't wouldn't you be tempted to do that if you'd been through what paul had been through yeah and say you know what well <laughs> didn't go well so i'm just going to forget them well you know? in fact if you think about the uh experiences that Paul had in terms of persecution. I mean, just look at the grocery list later in the book of all the things that he had encountered in his ministry. I think many of us 
would have read that as, well, God must not be in what right. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because God, God closed that door. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because it didn't look go at, well for me, so God's closing yeah, that door. Look at yeah. all the hardships. But for Paul, this seems to be real Christianity. Hmm. The struggle. Yeah, the struggle mm-hmm. and the, the persecution all seems to be very much in line with his understanding of the way the world works. Hmm. So that is a challenge to us in and of itself. So what you would expect to find then, uh, I mean, I'm just sort of glancing at some of the opening verses, uh, you would expect to find someone uh, with a, maybe a subdued tone, a hurt tone in his voice, you know, in, in, um, when, it, when he starts speaking to them, but that's not yep. what you Well, there is, there is a bit of that. I mean, you see in the first chapter, first two chapters, Paul trying to reconnect with them. And oh. we, can, we can talk about that a little bit maybe in the next session. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what I would describe it as is the, the vessel's been broken and, and the fragrance is spilling out of it. You oh. see a depth to Paul here. Mm-hmm. You see a, um, a tenderness toward God and toward the Corinthian church that I think is a manifestation of authentic Christianity, of a real minister of God being broken in a way that is actually productive. Hmm. And that's that's what I think is the fragrance, if you will, of uh-huh. 2 Corinthians, is, is there is an authenticity that comes through in terms of, of Paul's experience and his perspective. And I think one thing as we go on in this series we want to talk about how does how does authentic how does authentic ministry look when you set it over against some of the inauthentic examples of ministry that Paul alludes to in the book, mm-hmm. and wh- how does that instruct us today? Can't wait to get there. I know you're going to be with us in the weeks ahead, but what can we take away already from just this introduction? I'm I'm taking away Paul's concern and love would have been easier to walk away and say, you know, I I don't need this. Yeah, and and he's been. This is a a, a portrait of what redemptive brokenness looks like? I, I think so. And the way to, to say it maybe is Paul is not running away from all of the problems. In a sense, he's running to mm-hmm. those problems in order to address them. He loves them in the church he so much. He loves them in the church. He, he, mm-hmm. he feels like this is a part of what he is called to do. This is what he is supposed to be about. So, you know, in 1 Corinthians, he calls himself a father to this church. Mm-hmm. And wow. and he says, um, you know, I'm here in, in a sense, and I am um, I am concerned about you, and I'm I'm going to hang in here with you, and we're going to persevere through this and get to where we need to be. So after he sends this letter back to the church through Titus, does he follow it up with a visit? Yeah. What what happens is Paul uh, wraps up what we normally call the third mission tour with a three month stay. In uh, in Corinth, okay. and so um, we have that in the Book of Acts, and that that kind of ends his trip before he goes back to uh, Palestine mm-hmm. and to the the festivals there, which is where, of course, he gets arrested. Right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, goes back and faces. Uh, what uh, what is very trying time after that? Yeah, George, okay. thank you. Our, our time is gone, Michael. I know you have another question, or probably fifteen questions. Well, you have a lot of questions. <laughs> My final question was: Okay, I'm a listener, and I've heard this, and I'm going to read through Second Corinthians. What do you want me to be looking for? I think um, look for Paul's heart, if I can say it that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, His attitude. You know, one one thing I talk to my students about is filtering the scriptures through different lenses that we're, we're trying to look at. Look for Paul's heart. 
Look at his look at his attitude and his posture before God, especially. Mm. All right, we'll do that. We'll read that together, and George will come back and we'll talk about Second Corinthians some more. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to be with you guys. See you next time. From time to time here in the studio, we look for your email questions for Michael, and I have a couple of that have been chosen here, Michael, if you don't mind. This one comes from Joan, who wants to know, do you see similarities between Jesus' use of parables and the role of the prophets, as described in the program of Dr. George Grant? Remember sure. we talked to George? Sure, absolutely. Uh, she says, it seems that using parables, painting word pictures, might be considered as one way of recapturing the imagination of God's people. Yeah, yeah, Jones, you're you're onto something there. Of course, Jesus is uh, the prophet likened to Moses. He's presented that way in John from uh, from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, so yeah, he he does prophetic activity. He I, I obviously actually prophesies, and I think the parables are another part of that prophetic activity. He 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 engages with people's imaginations. Uh, at least he he puts the parables out there, and the the, the strength of a parable is uh, when you engage with your own imagination. The mm-hmm. people who who aren't willing to don't get anything out of it, which is of course the weakness of a parable. But I think yeah, I think she's right. That is a very prophetic thing that Jesus is doing, telling parables. All right, thank you for bringing yeah. that question to our attention. By the way, our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Anytime you have a, a question, maybe you'd like to uh, submit a song request, an e-quest, as we <laughs> call them around here. As, we have one of those coming up in a moment, so don't we laugh do. about that, Michael. Okay. You're going to sing a song that one Oops. of the listeners wants to hear, hear you sing in just a moment. Here's another question, though. Uh, Michael, thanks for turning me on to the New Living Translation through your podcast and website. It's made a huge difference in my scripture reading. Ah. As my wife and I read through the entire Bible for the first time this last year, I don't believe I would have completed the Old Testament without the NLT. Oh, good. And it really made the Psalms and the prophets come alive for me. As My question is this. As a student of the Word and theology, do you utilize more than one translation for your in-depth study of the Bible? And if so... $64,000 question here. Which one? How do you decide oh. which versions will be most helpful for uncovering the truths that yeah. result on your particular take on a teaching or a song? Yeah, well, I, I think ob- there, there are obviously people who come down uh, so dogmatically on this translation yes. only or that translation. We all know them, don't we? Yeah, and that that, it, that is unfortunate because there's so many uh, presuppositions that anybody who translates has to deal with. And uh, language is such a complex thing, and, and your motivation, where you want to go, um, it, it's so complicated. And there are different techniques for translation a- absolutely. as well. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you do a hyper-literal, if you do a hyper-literal translation from either Greek or Hebrew to English, it's it's still virtually unreadable. Mm-hmm. And there, there are people who've, who've tried to do even that. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience, um, Rick, has been that um, I become so saturated with one translation, like NIV. Uh, I, I was in on NIV from the very beginning when they were when they were releasing a, um, a book at a time, you know. But then what eventually happened to me was I became so saturated with it, I could usually tell you what the next verse was going to say, which I think is a bad thing because you you should never think you know what the Bible is about <laughs> to say, right? You know, you should feel like you've got the final word all figured out. Right, it's like you're going to finish its sentences for it or something. <laughs> and for that reason, I thought it was important to start reading uh, in other translations. And uh, NLT is a great one. Of course, we believe in that one because Bill, uh, Dr. Lane, mm-hmm. was on the team. And, act- and actually, George Guthrie was also on the team oh, yes. that did NLT. Um, so we know some of the fine men who worked on that uh, translation. 
I don't come down uh, as an advocate for any single translation. I think once I'm through sort of reading through a bunch of the other ones, I'll end up going back to NIV, mm-hmm. mainly because a lot of the words that that uh, are important to me, I, they, they translate the way it makes sense to me. I think what you mentioned about switching off once in a while is important. I do that too, just yeah. for freshness. Yeah, I, and I've, I've basically just finished reading through a Bible that I didn't really like the translation of it. I mean, there were so many things that I, I was looking for that it didn't do, but... Mm-hmm. But I still think it was a good thing that I worked through it. All right, Michael, fair warning. I told you we had an e-quest coming. Here it is. Uh, This listener writes, and thanks for your note, by the way, but she says, I was just wondering if Michael has any songs about Joseph, the son of Jacob, or Boaz. No, you don't. Not that, that I'm I know aware of. of. Okay. <laughs> she says, oh, my So fa- much for that equest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. She mentions uh, songs like Joseph's Song and Song of Gomer and Forgiving Eyes. And yeah. so I'm going to ask you to sing Forgiving Eyes here okay. in the studio. This is the woman taking an adultery and what her uh, experience was like. Surrounded with shouts The cruel accusations Dragged to the court No hope of salvation All hope was lost For those who had caught me Knew what I was They knew all about me I thought it seemed strange As we entered in They stopped a young rabbi To ask his opinion Caught in the act their reason for hating my body could feel the stones that were waiting my judge a man from galilee in his eyes so gentle i could see a father and a brother and a son just as i saw him the hope i had lost
for giving eyes, an e-quest that takes us to the halfway point here in the studio with Michael Card. And if you have a song you'd like to hear or a question about the Bible or living the Christian life, we can be reached at instudio at michaelcard.com. Through the web, you can discover more about Michael's music and teaching ministry. Also, you can find out how to access our podcast. Just type michaelcard.com. In the second half, we'll welcome singer-songwriter Wes King to the studio. Wes is a cancer survivor, and with guitar in hand, he'll encourage all of us next in the studio. Look for next week's new edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Join us as we continue Michael's teaching series from the book of Job. And we'll meet a new friend, pastor and author Ken Boa, who talks with Michael about their shared love for astronomy and the lessons learned from the study of God's creation. Great teaching, conversation, and as always, Michael's music that ties the hour together. Look for this current post and tell a friend about the podcast. All the details are at michaelcard.com. And welcome back into the studio with Michael Card. What a terrific program already this week, and I think it's going to get even better. We have Wes King in the studio with us. Yeah, Wes, it's been... I I haven't seen you in a year, I don't think. Yeah, I was in the hospital, I think, right? Mm -hmm. When you're... Hanging with me. One of the last, I mean, I think we passed each other in church and, mm-hmm. I, and I saw you, but um, in between the times that I'd, because I'd, I saw you when you really, you were in the midst of the chemo. Mm-hmm. And then I saw you after you'd almost fully recovered. Yeah. Wes, even though we didn't have you in the studio previously, I can't tell you how many times we've prayed for you and talked about yeah, you here. I know. Thought I about, our thoughts it. have gone out to you. And uh, I know the whole community in Nashville did mm-hmm. that. And tell us what happened. Well, you know, I, I was kind of approaching midlife. It was 39. Things are going well. Things are going well. Was exercising and eating right and all those things and just, you know, trying to keep the spare tire off the middle age, you know. I started getting this pain in my leg. And long story short, I called my neighbor who's a doctor and we were kind of thinking it was a pinched nerve until I was about ready to leave. And he said, well, by the way, have you had any stomach problems? I said, you know, as a matter of fact, I've I've had a stomach ache for about a month. He goes, really? He goes, lie back down. And he, you know how they always push you on your stomach yeah, in a doctor's yeah. office. And I've had that done a million times. And this is the first time I ever took somebody's hand off my stomach because oh. it, it hurt. And it turned out I had a huge mass about the size of a grapefruit in my colon, one in my stomach, uh, two in my, one in my smaller um, intestine. And, and so they, they went in and cut it out. And um, we were afraid that it was liver cancer at first, but it turns out it was something called Burkitt's lymphoma. And uh, bad you, news, bad news was it's a terrible aggressive cancer. Good news is you could kill it. Yeah, you said when you woke up from surgery, your, your wife gave you the news, huh? Yeah, yeah. She. Um, well, Scott Rowley and I were in the hospital when you had that first operation. Remember that we came and sat. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that was the. I, I mean, I saw you go in saying, "Oh, I've I kind of my legs hurting." Yeah. And then, you know, the next time I saw you, you were really in the middle of the battle. Yeah. So yeah. it was surgery followed by chemotherapy. Two weeks. It was um, it was supposed to be a week. But fortunately, you know, I mean, I was in such... Uh, I got to brag on myself a little bit here. <laughs> you earned it, Wes, I was in, <laughs> I was in such good shape. Um, when I woke up from my surgery, I walked for an hour. Huh. And um, and the doctor said that because I was in such good shape, it it really helped me in the process. Mm-hmm. How long was the the total struggle from the time you found out to the time you were, they declared you cancer free. Cause they've, you're cancer free now. Right? Yeah. I'm cancer free. Yeah. It was about eight months. Wow. I had, I was supposed to do eight, tre- eight treatments uh-huh. and the treatments lasted a week. Uh-huh. And, um, I wasn't able to do the full eight. I did six, but then two kind of 
short ones. Uh-huh. And, um, and and it, that I couldn't do anymore because they would have you know, killed, killed me. Every, 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 every treatment except for one, I had to go to the ER. Yeah, well, you a couple of times you almost died, yeah. right? Yeah, about three or four times. I, okay. went, in, I went into septic shock. Um, huh. I mean, and the... You know, the first time I went into septic shock, um, it was like rigor, rigor mortis was setting in. I mean, wow. it's the only it's the only way I could describe it because my body started stiffening up my back, and I and I couldn't get a, um, I couldn't find a comfortable place because my body was just shutting down. Yeah, and it was um, it was, it was pretty terrifying. I mean, I and they couldn't they couldn't pump enough drugs into me to stop me. And it was just an, and then my my bless my nephew's heart he. He had to rub my legs mm-hmm. because my legs um, were hurting me so bad. I said, please rub my legs. And so he's sitting there rubbing my legs. And it was on a weekend and in a hospital. You know, I hate to say this. I don't want to scare people. But a lot of times on the weekend, the real doctors aren't there. Wow. And that's when I had this, I went into this septic shock. And so my wife was just, you know, panicking. And my doctor wasn't, he was out of town. Mm-hmm. and. It was it was pretty scary. Wes, we're going to ask you to sing for us here in just a moment. But your wife and your boys, how do they handle the ordeal? Well, my wife, you know, I found out what she was made of through all this. <laughs> Isn't that and, something? And you know, she she kind of went from love of my life to hero. <laughs> um, and and you can ask her, you know, um, <clears throat> Mike, you came and stayed with me, and that was great. Um, friends came and stayed, but. I always wanted my wife there, mm-hmm. and she, could, you know, she had the three boys, so she had things. She had, she couldn't yeah. be there all the sure, time. Life but, went on at home, huh? Yeah, I had to go on, and um, but when she left, I just kind of would droop, and she came in, I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd come up, and because nobody took care of me the way she did, nobody. I mean, she just she'd just sit there and watch me the whole time. What do you need? <laughs> you know, <laughs> your relationships changed for the rest of your life. Oh my gosh, it has, and, and you know, and I I. One of the things when you go through something like this, I think some people probably come out of it and and they're they're a lot more spiritual, you know, and maybe some people aren't. And and for me, um, one of the things I I just don't. We were talking earlier off off, not camera but off off air about how this stage in life, you know, you kind of, um, you know, things change and you don't have all the answers. And I mm-hmm. I, I, I and I kind of feel a lot more comfortable with that because I think I used to feel like I needed to have all the answers for everything. And and I don't know that I've got all the answers for this, but I will say that, and I, and I don't say this because we're on, on air, I'd, I'd say this anytime. I'm, I'm thankful for what it's done to me. I'm thankful for the relationship with my kids, my wife, my friends. Um, and, and it's just, it's just kind of mellowed me out a little bit. And um, so I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful for the, for the effect that it's had on me as a person. Now, did you, you lost feeling in your fingertips? <laughs> yeah, that, amongst a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, it, the, the kind of medicine that I was on, it, it, it kills nerves, you know. Hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, so my fingers are. I've got. I can feel my fingers now. Oh, that's good. Got your, you yeah. said you got your calluses back. Yeah, somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat. Wes, will you play a song for us? It's not a test. Wes. Oh. <laughs> you want not, not something you can fa- fail. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to hear like the the second song I wrote after I was able to crawl out of bed? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. This is real simple. Been going down this road 
carrying this load I don't know where it bends I don't know where it ends At times the way is rough At times the travel's tough But all in all I would Say that life is good You know it's good to kiss my wife It's good to hug my kids What a magic tale is life And God I say it's good to be alive Well, the pain has left a mark, but it's given me a spark. So I can light a fire, and maybe I'll inspire Joe to love his neighbor, his neighbor to concur. Love the way that Jesus would, and show that life is good. You know it's good to kiss my wife, it's good to hug my kids. What a magic tale is life, and God, I say it's good to be alive. God's so good to me, just look at all I have Life's so wonderful, sometimes it makes me cry I'm so blown away, sometimes I have to laugh Here's my second chance, it's good to be alive No, it's good to kiss my wife Good to hug my kids What a magic tale is life And God, I say it's good to be alive Oh, it's good to see the sunset It's good to see it rise It's good to see with my own eyes And God, I say it's good Oh, it's good to be alive I think you're back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that sounds like back to me. Oh, I've never heard a guitar figure like that. That's very cool. It's kind of wacky. Oh, it? it's neat. Oh, neat. Thanks. And I love the line, good to see the sun go down, good to see it rise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was wondering if I was going to see any more of those yeah. a few times. Yeah. Song about simple pleasures. Huh? Yeah, it's, yeah I, everything's gotten real simple for me. <laughs> Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, I, I want to make sure we have enough time to sing at least a couple more songs. I mm-hmm. have Wes sing them, and Michael, you're going to join them too in a couple gonna here. Going to try. So, all right. We, um, we, what we haven't shared is that we were on the, on the road together uh, for a long time. We went to England well, together and Ireland together. And, <laughs> yeah. And wrote, at least 100 shows we yeah. did. Okay. We wrote, wrote songs together. Mm-hmm. Who influenced yeah. who the most? Oh, uh, it's a, that's it's a mu- No, it's a mutual thing. No. It's a mutual thing. Because Wes always, Wes is such a great player, and he's such an adamant songwriter. I mean, I... That that always helped me, oh, you know, because well. I just assume not. Mike, it, yeah, Mike. Mike always kind of puts himself down, but he's well, a very he's very an, a, a inspiration to me and, and many many others. Yeah, so. we've seen that many times here in the studio. Yeah. Believe me, Wes. Yeah. Have you guys written you anything got, together? Wait, no. Don't change the subject. Talk a little more about what you're talking about. I'll give you twenty minutes. It was to just stop getting that. interesting, and he, and he does that just just to prove me wrong. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you written something together? Yes, yes, oh, we yeah. um, we've written several together. I can't remember all that. We, we, who but God we wrote together. I still don't think we wrote. I think you, we did. I right? think we talked about it, but then I think you wrote it. No, if I, I got credit on that, that was that was uh, no. Grace. Honestly, um, I can see. I clearly only God would send. This is your line. Yeah, yeah. Only God would send us His only Son, obedient to death, our spotless one, servant, servant, Savior. That sounds like something. So holy now, something like that. Uh. Yeah, that's 
Servant Savior. Yeah. That's that's totally. It's got Mike Card written all well, over and, it. And the robe. I, I wrote a lot of that. Didn't no, I? you wrote none of that. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Nash wrote the music. I wrote the lyric to that. I don't know. Actually, Wes. actually Charles Spurgeon should in in his grave get yeah, credit for that. Yeah. You know, it's, well, the cool thing is, the older we get, and the worse our memories get, we'll be able to do <laughs> stuff like that. Right. You know, no, Wes. No, really. I think I wrote that. <laughs> we didn't write that together. Come to think of it. <laughs> well, maybe you didn't write it together, but will you sing it for us here? Absolutely. Right, right sure. in the studio right now, Wes King. Michael, you gonna do uh, something here? I'll do something. Piano. Piano. Yeah. Piano. All right. Here we go. West King and Michael Card, The Robe. Anyone whose heart is cold and lonely Anyone who can't believe And anyone whose hands are worn and empty Come as you are And anyone whose feet are tired of walking even lost their will to run Oh, there is a place of rest For your aching soul Come as you are For the road is of God That will your nakedness and the robe is his grace it's all you need come as you are and anyone who they're unworthy And anyone who's just afraid Oh, come sinner, come and receive His mercy, come Come as you are of grace Wes thank you so much and uh, Michael just pick right up again playing well, with Wes huh? I remember when that song came out uh, it was in the midst of what I considered one of the real low points in terms of content and Christian music and that song came out and I was this big 
sigh of relief from so many people. Mm. Oh, God is raised somebody up who's going to, you know, put content back mm-hmm. in. Uh, and I think you, you, yeah, that... you picked up that banner really well. I mean, nobody else, you, you didn't hear that? Cause, um, mm. I mean, I, I, obviously it was, the song was very well received. Yeah, it but, was. But that, that was an interest. That's interesting. I didn't. Yeah, that was at a at a point where it was seen, it was getting pretty helpless, and uh, mm-hmm. and so it's neat that God always timing is of the Lord. When God gives a gift, this is all Bill Lane stuff. Mm-hmm. When God gives a gift, He wraps it in a person, mm-hmm. and that song was a was a great. I don't know. The banner kind of came back up amongst all the fighting. You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. I saw the banner come back up again. So you know, I I got to give Kevin Twitt, um, uh, one of our. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he used to be one of our pastors. Yeah, Kevin's been here in the studio with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, Kevin Twitt's the one that, I remember I was talking to him about just concerts and having a hard time with knowing, you know, what am I doing? I mean, mm-hmm. what am I, is this church? Is this, is it, what is it? And, Ke- and Kevin said, you know, you ought to get Charles Spurgeon's sermons hmm. and and read his sermons like his, um, the way he would close his and so I got this book called uh, Spurgeon Sovereign Grace Sermons, and basically it's the sermon that's called High Doctrine. Mm-hmm. And if you read that, if you read that sermon, you'll see exactly where I got that song. Well, I I remember the first <clears throat> thing we ever played together. It was here in Nashville, and it was your concert, and I opened for you. What? Yeah, you never yeah, opened. Yeah, for it was. Me, it was Mike. at Bel. No, it was at Belmont or something, and we were hanging out, and I said, "Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I sort of invited myself, okay, and I played." So I played my part, and then you came out, and there and the girls screamed. Oh, you don't Lord. remember that? No, boy, I thought, wow, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> How can I get that? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember girls ever screaming. Well, there was this, well I mean, it wasn't like Beatles screaming, but it was right. like, Woo, uh, you know, sixth graders, I yeah. guess. <laughs> okay, so one girl sneezed. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating this over the years. I just remember, wow, that was an interesting response. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it, doing this, you know, it's. It's an interesting, you know, as as I look back over my life, um, it really is true. I think the most insecure people end up doing this because because yeah. you're looking for some kind of approval, affirmation, affirmation, yeah, and and I I'll never forget going to Holland. It's the only time this ever happened. I felt like a rock star. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it was like ten thousand people, and they were all on their feet, jumping up and down, singing every song. When I left. Um, it was the end. It was the 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 last of the thing, and and I was I was leaving, and people were going Holy Ghost. It was my first record. Uh-huh. I mean, like all like cars of people was going Holy Ghost, and all these songs I'd written. <laughs> and then I came back to America, and I was nothing again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, huh. it's all relative. Yeah, yeah, and and then to go through what you went through with yeah. cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as we're getting close to the end of our time together. Um, I know there's somebody listening. I know there are probably several people listening who are going through some of what you went through or are walking with someone else who's going through. And they're they're wanting that, you know, give me that final piece of, you know, advice or encouragement or what did you learn that, you know, what was the hardest thing you learned? One of the things I would would say to people who um, know somebody who's going through this is, um, I mean, the the best, the best, my, my my brother-in-law gave me some great advice, John Icahn. He said, Wes, the difference between my patient, he's a, a pediatric oncologist, and he really helped me through a lot of this. He said, Wes, the difference between the patients of mine who make it and the ones that don't, the ones that make it are the ones that laugh. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. And um, so my brother, who who is has always been a hero, has always been a great friend and an unbelievable brother, came in one time, and he looked at me, and obviously I'm forty pounds heavier. I look like Uncle Fester. Um, it's probably hard to recognize you. It, 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 oh, a lot of people didn't recognize. I must me. say, I, the first time I saw you, I was shocked. Yeah, yeah, you it, you didn't feel you weren't feeling. I was not feeling. I wasn't feeling good for about a, a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, lifting myself off the bed felt like um, felt like I was trying to lift a car. Wow! You know, because when your blood's gone, and maybe that's another another story when I tell you about my blood transfusion sometime. Mm. But um, but anyway, he looked at me, and I saw him look at me, and I just said, I said, Mitch, I said, you can't look at me like that. I said, I need you to be the goofball that you are. Yeah. Mm. You know, I said, I know this is grave, but I want to laugh. And I want to. I want to live through this. I don't want to be. So be real. And and I really think that made a big difference. Mm-hmm. I joke with the nurses and mm-hmm. and um, and you know watch funny videos and things like that. And so I you know <clears throat> I, I just think you know we all have a we all have a time. You know we our days are numbered, all of us. Absolutely. And um, and so I I, I guess I kind of I think go down swinging mm-hmm. and and um, don't don't give up and and remember those around you and. Um, I think, you know, keep the advice to yourself. And um, a lot of times when you're in a situation like that, you don't really want advice. Yeah. You just want somebody to listen to you, talk about the weather, talk about your kids, you know. Well, Wes, it's going to be even more meaningful now to hear you sing your song, The Love of Christ. The Um, broken, the battered, and weak. Yeah. 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 You didn't know what you were writing when you wrote it. (laughs) Prophetic, huh? Michael, you'll join Wes on this? Uh All right. Well, we'll close our conversation with this song here in the studio. Wes King, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Good to see you. The Love of Christ. Incomparable kindness to less than the least To the broken, the battered, and the weak To all who are hungry, there comes a call To be filled with the fullness of Christ It's beyond all you can see Farther than you believe It's a mystery My prayer for you is that you might know how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love, how deep is the love of Christ. The width of two arms outstretched
is the love How deep is the love of Christ Oh, how low, how high How deep is the love The love of Christ great having Wes with us today, but we've come to the end of our session in the studio with Michael Card. If you have a reaction to what's been presented today, then please get in touch with us. Send your comments as well as your prayer requests and Bible questions to studio at michaelcard.com. And we hope that many more of you will check in with us. Send your email to studio at michaelcard.com. Through the web, you can stay connected with all that's going on with this broadcast and much more at michaelcard.com. And if you need to listen again to our session, we hope you'll take full advantage of our radio archive. Online, you can find out more about how to access the program podcast. Also, each week, Michael prepares scripture and thoughts that coincide with this broadcast. Information about this helpful reminder and a complete listing of Michael's music and books can be found online at michaelcard.com. Also, we're excited that this radio outreach is part of the RBC family of ministries, and we can direct you to the great resources and devotionals through the link at michaelcard.com. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is produced in cooperation with RBC Ministries and the Moody Broadcasting Network.